Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. Diamond, you remember the four C's associated with that purchase, right? If you haven't purchased a diamond, you'll learn about the four C's associated with that purchase. And the four C's of purchasing a diamond are cut, carrot, color, and clarity. And I would say they left out of the fifth C, which is cost. Amen? Uh, so when we think about these, when we think about these C's, clarity is pretty important in purchasing one of these gems, one of these diamonds. Because with the right clarity, along with the right cut, more of the facets of the stone can be seen. And with more facets, there's more reflection of light. So there comes that sparkle that we all love to see when it comes to these gems and to these stones. It takes a skilled craftsman to cut one of these gems properly. And just like a diamond, Christmas is multifaceted. Christmas has a lot of different facets in it that reflect the light of Christ. And so over the next few weeks, we will consider these facets of Christmas together. And my prayer is that we will gain clarity in our Christmas as we seek to live out as divine reflections of following the Lord Jesus. And today we begin with the facet of prophecy. Prophecy. We will consider the prophet Isaiah's messianic prophecy and what it means for our Christmas as it comes from the Old Testament. But as we begin, it would be advantageous for us to consider a definition of prophecy together. And this, comes, this definition of prophecy comes from scholar Millard Erickson, theologian Millard Erickson. And this is what the definition is. Prophecy, a speaking forth on behalf of God. In a narrower sense, the declaring of something that is to come. So Isaiah is simply put, speaking forth for God in this messianic prophecy. That a Messiah King is coming. And we're going to see how this impacts our Christmas and even our everyday. This prophecy is important because Christ is the center of all of Scripture. Christ is the center of all of Scripture. So when we look at the Old Testament and we consider a prophecy like Isaiah's, it's important for us to recognize that it is of Christ because Christ is the center of all Scripture. And Isaiah identifies the coming Messiah. He will usher in a redemption. He will usher in a freedom. And this freedom is from sin. The people here in Isaiah, in the context, they, they are oppressed by this great empire of Assyrians. And so now Isaiah is speaking beyond that to show that freedom will come with the Messiah. And the birth of Jesus fulfills this prophecy and reveals that God is with us. So let's begin and let's read this prophecy together. And we're going to look at four, three keys from this prophecy together this morning. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. And this is what the prophet records. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time. And as they rejoice when dividing spoils, verse 4, for you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did in the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. Verse 6, 
For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So as we turn to Isaiah's messianic prophecy, what does this mean for us? What do we see happening in this key passage from the Old Testament? Well, first in verse 2, we see a messianic light. A messianic light. And when we talk about the Messiah, we talk about Jesus. And really Messiah means the anointed one, the one that is to come to save people. And so the, the, the thrust of this is that Isaiah, in the Old Testament, all these years before Christ is to be born, he is speaking of the light that is to come. And we know from the New Testament that Jesus says that I am the what? I am the light of the world. Okay? So here in this passage, we see this breaking through of this messianic light. He says in verse 2 that a light has dawned. Think about that for a second. If we think about the context of the, the people, the God's people of the day as Isaiah speaks to them, they are oppressed they are in exile. The Assyrians have captured them, have taken them over, and now they are getting word from the prophet that a light is dawning. Do you think they're excited? Do, do you think they're overjoyed with hearing that from the man of God? As he says, thus says the Lord, that, that they, were, they know God has not forgotten them. And so this is why this, is, this light that is breaking through as Isaiah presents it, it, it has purpose, it has meaning. And in, this, and in verse 2, God's ultimate purpose is expressed in the, in the midst of oppression. And what Isaiah is showing here is that God, through the coming Messiah King, he will illuminate and he will show his power of deliverance. Now that's a key application for us today. We think about this being an Old Testament scripture, an Old Testament passage. We think about hearing it on Charlie Brown every Christmas, Right? We see Linus uh, saying this on the cartoon. But when we, when we drill down into this, we see that what's happening is, is that the prophet is showing this messianic light breakthrough, and it's about the delivery of God. And friend, that applies to you and to me in our every day. And it's simply this application that God delivers. God delivers. And, and God delivers because he hasn't forgotten so maybe you're walking through life, maybe you're listening today, watching online, and you're at a crossroads, and you feel this loneliness, and you feel like there's no way out. I want to encourage you today, my friend, that there is a light dawning, there is a light breaking through. His name is Jesus, because God will deliver. God has not changed. God has not forgotten. He will deliver. So friend, as you listen to this this morning, come in here real close and understand that God has not forgotten you, that you are not left alone, that he has not forsaken you, but that he is faithful to deliver. And ultimately, even if he doesn't deliver us from a circumstance that we face, his promise is that he has delivered us from the greatest oppression we could ever have spiritually, and that is the spiritual oppression of sin. Because the gospel says that Christ liberates us from sin. Because God delivers. 
And that messianic light breaks through. You know, I've lived in the Delta for 15 years now. And as I've driven early in the morning or late in the evening, I have seen some unreal sunrises and sunsets. I have seen the sky lit up in different ways. And it is, it's just mesmerizing. It really is. And it's a reminder of God's grace. That as that light, as you drive down the highway, breaks through, and that sun rises over the, that delta land, and you see all the colors illuminated as it, this, the light comes through, this messianic light comes through in the same way, and the people of God that are in oppression by an Assyrian empire, you know what they're thinking, you know what they're seeing, they are tuning in to a signal of God's grace. And you and I would benefit from that this Christmas. That we would hear this prophecy anew and we would understand the, the messianic light that is breaking through. And we would tune our hearts to the signal of grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see, the people of God, it wasn't that they were perfect, right? No, they were rebellious. They were sinful. That's the reason why the Assyrians took over. But God hadn't forgotten them. And this shows as the messianic light begins to creep and break through that God's grace still abounds. That God in his deliverance, that God in his promise of a messianic king, that his grace would abound. Nothing blocks God from shining the light of Jesus. Nothing blocks God in his power to deliver in shining the light of Jesus. And Isaiah was sharing this so many years before Christ was born. He's speaking of divine insight here. We don't have time, but when you drill down into the language of this prophecy and the language of this text in Isaiah, we see the fact that, the, that Isaiah is not merely looking to the future to share what could happen. So Isaiah is not like who I grew up with, Woody Asaph. I don't know if any of y'all saw him. Sharing the weather, but what would Woody say, right? I still remember that as a kid growing up. What would Woody say? I always tune in to see what would Woody say. We'd all gather around the TV with that old radar at my aunt's house on Christmas Eve. And there comes Santa Claus right through there. You know, those 80s graphics, you got to love it, right? Nostalgia. But Isaiah's not a Woody Asaph. He's not giving a forecast of what could happen. Isaiah's not writing here and saying, hey, there's a 50% chance of Messiah. That's, gonna, that's not what he's doing. here. No, we see from the Old Testament language and the way this passage is written is that he is sharing something that will be factual in due time. It will come to pass. And this is the light of the Messiah breaking through. That he's coming. And that a light is dawning for the people. Even in the midst of uncertainties, God's people are presented with hope. The, the deliverer, God, he hasn't forgotten them. His grace abounds to deliver him. And he presents hope in the midst of their oppression. Friend, you might be facing a circumstance that is a boulder on your shoulders today. There's hope in knowing the Lord. There's hope in the deliverer. There's hope in the one who provides us grace. With our God, there is always hope. So grab onto that today. Possess that hope today. 
Don't allow the world and the circumstances and the things that, are, that, that are strugg- you're struggling with or what you're facing, do not allow that to snuff out your hope. Hold on to the hope that came all those years before with this prophecy of Isaiah that a messianic light is dawning because nothing's going to block God from sharing the light of Jesus. And that's what we see at the very beginning here. But when there's hope present, rejoicing fills the air. And that's what we see happening in verses 3 through 5. When hope is present, rejoicing is filling the air. Back at spring break, uh, we were up in the mountains in Tennessee, and I got to take Evan on a white water rafting trip. Now, this year's been so long, that seems like a decade ago, right? Uh, But we had a great time. We had a great group on the boat. And, and we got on that boat, and that water was still cold. You know, it was springtime, so it was still cold. And it was pretty high. And, and we hit that first rapid, and we were washed in adrenaline. Not just water. We were washed in adrenaline. We were high-fiving people we didn't know. We were all pumped up. And this adrenaline just washed over us, and we were, got so excited for that next rapid. We couldn't wait for the next rapid to come up and go through that. We're here. What's happening is as, as the people that have been oppressed, as, as the people have been, been beaten down here on earth, this prophecy, thus says the Lord, that, that this messianic light is coming through and, and it washes over the people and they are moved into rejoicing even in the midst of their circumstances. They are moved to rejoicing even though they are oppressed. And this joy it, it, it comes over the people like a waterfall. And the revelation of the Messiah, it brings this abundance of joy because their fears are being calmed. Their, their fears have previously been like those rapids moving back and forth uncontrollably. But with this prophecy and the word from Isaiah that came from the Lord as he declares it, their fears are being calmed. No longer are those ripples overwhelming them, but their fears are being calm. We see this in verse 3. Look at verse 3 with me. Isaiah says, you've enlarged the nation and increased its joy. He's he's saying what's about to happen, what's going to happen with time. The people have rejoiced before you, and they rejoice at harvest time. And as they rejoice, when dividing spoils, speaking of that victory that comes. So all these fears, the nation growing, the harvest being abundant, the dividing of the spoils because victory has taken place. What's Isaiah saying here? He's calming all their fears that they might have, and he is showing them, he is showing them that even in the midst of these fears, that God replaces our fear with joy. It's one reason why we sing the song, Joy to the World, right? Joy to the World. We can sing that because we know it to be true. Because all of our fears, God removes and replaces with joy in knowing Jesus. Now, when we think about this passage, why why the rejoicing? As we dig a little bit deeper, why the rejoicing? 
Well, verse 4 explains that, that freedom brings rejoicing. He says in verse 4 that the oppressor's yoke has been shattered. So Isaiah, in his context, he's talking about this final deliverance that he's bringing into view. He's, he's narrowing the focus. He's sharpening the view. He's clarifying things. He's bringing in this final deliverance into view. And this, this, listen to what scholar John Oswald says. John Oswald says this, The promised Messiah lifts the yoke of sin in order to lift the yoke of oppression. You see, there was a deeper oppression for the people. Not simply being oppressed by a great empire, the Assyrian Empire, but the deeper oppression was the rebellious heart and the sinful nature. That was the yoke of oppression. And the Messiah was coming to lift that. So why is there rejoicing? There is rejoicing because one greater than the Assyrians was on the horizon. One more powerful than the Assyrians, the, the people that had oppressed God's people, one more powerful, the light of him was breaking through. The Messiah was to come. And Isaiah speaks this to them, and rejoicing takes place. It washes over them. Well, how will this oppression end? It will end because the Lord will be victorious. He speaks of burning of military hardware in this passage. And that goes back to, to chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. This idea of the battle is over. We don't need this hardware anymore. We can get rid of it. It can be done away with. It can be done away with because the Lord is victorious. There is victory in knowing the Lord. And that's another key application for us today. We rejoice in a victorious Lord. We rejoice in the one that has broken sin's oppression. We rejoice in the one that has fulfilled this prophecy. We rejoice in the one that provides us hope. We rejoice in the one that will never leave us and forsake us. We rejoice in the one and we sing joy to the world because he replaces our fear with joy. We rejoice because of Christ, the Messiah that has fulfilled this prophecy. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, he expands on this idea. He says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There is victory in the Lord. There is victory in the Messiah, in the King, whose name is Jesus. We can hold on to that hope. And we can rejoice. And our fear can be replaced with joy. Because of who he is. And this rejoicing, it culminates in the Messiah's birth. And that's what we see in verses 6 and 7. We see a messianic light. We see a messianic rejoicing. But we see a Messiah's birth as we wrap up. You know, there's all kind of titles that are given in, the, in our world, right? There's all kind of titles that people receive. You know, a lot of times we think certain titles, because of the office, it garners respect in some ways. This title could be for someone that holds a political office, for someone that's a, a representative of a country, an ambassador. It, it could be for someone that's part of the royal family. All these titles, all these offices, because of that office, it's given a certain due. It's given a certain respect. In spite of the person and their character in that office. Just because of the office, there is respect given. Well, we see here that there is one that not only fulfills the office, 
but is of divine character as well. And Isaiah gives a list. He gives a list that underscores the ultimate deity of the deliverer. The ultimate deity of the Messiah. Fully God, fully man. And as we think about Christ fulfilling this, we see these titles come into play. The first title he gives him is Wonderful Counselor. Isaiah has already spoke of the the yoke of wisdom, human wisdom and its folly. Now the deliverer, deliverer will bring wisdom beyond what is known. He will be the perfect embodiment of wisdom as the wonderful counselor. Friend, did you know you'll never have a better counselor than the Lord Jesus? Did you know that? Did, did you realize that you'll never have a better counselor, a better friend to turn to, one that sticks closer than a brother than in Christ? The prophet speaks about the wonderful counselor. This should move us and draw us to him, to know him, to seek him. In the midst of our hurt, of our heartache, and our brokenness, we would step closer to Jesus, not closer to isolation. Because he is the wonderful counselor whose grace abounds, who can deliver us in our time of need. Not only that, we see mighty God listed here. A title given to the Messiah to come, mighty God. Wherever this term, as as we look at this term in the Old Testament, wherever this term is used throughout the Bible, it is a reference to God. So the Messiah King will have God's true might in him. The Messiah King is a strong hero that can absorb all evil that might be hurled at him. This is who the Messiah is. It's who Jesus is. When we think about This title, Mighty God, I thought about the wilderness. The Gospels record that Jesus went out into the wilderness, right? And there's when he faced that temptation on that that cosmic battlefield. Jesus went out into the wilderness to face the temptation of the evil one. And the evil was hurled at him. But we see his might. We see his might and we also see that he used the word of God in that moment. He used the word of God in those moments, in that battle, to shield him from that evil. He is a mighty God, friend. He has not changed. We learn from God's word that he hasn't changed yesterday, today, and he will not change forever. He is mighty God. He is the one we can turn to. He is the one that we can put our trust in. He has broken through. A light has dawned, and we can know him and be saved from the oppression of sin, the yoke of sin through his name. Another title uses everlasting father or eternal father. You see, in this time, in the ancient day, many earthly kings viewed themselves as a father to the people. The people that they ruled over, they they viewed themselves as this father figure to the people. And what Isaiah is saying here is that this is an eternal, everlasting father. Not one that reigns on the throne for a moment in time. A piece of history. That is not who this is. This is an everlasting father that is ruling and that is reigning and that we can run to. It reminds me of the the, the prodigal son, right? Maybe, Maybe that parable should be better known as the loving father. Because the father saw the son way off. The rebellious, sinful son. 
who had gone his own way. And he saw him, and he ran to him, and he embraced him. And this is who Isaiah speaks of. An everlasting, eternal father who delivers from the great oppression of sin that we can run to, that we can turn to. The Messiah's fatherhood is a claim, and it's a claim that lasts for all of eternity. It lasts forever. But he didn't stop there because he culminates these titles with the one that maybe we know the most about and we've heard the most about. And that title is Prince of Peace. In this passage, he he wraps this up and culminates all these titles with the title of Prince of Peace. This climactic title, the king is a peaceful king that brings reconciliation between God and man, but also between man and man. You see, it's in knowing the Messiah, it's in believing and trusting by faith in Christ, the, the one who has fulfilled this prophecy, that we can have this relationship reconciled. Sin had separated us from God, separates you and me from God. And this relationship can be reconciled. And in that reconciliation, other relationships can be reconciled as well. Did you know that's what Paul writes to the church in the New Testament? He writes to the church about joining in the ministry of reconciliation. That we would be agents of reconciliation to bring others to know the Prince of Peace. That we would exhibit the, the, the peace of knowing Christ to each other within the church to glorify Christ. You see, this, this messianic prophecy may have taken place oh so long before Jesus was born and oh so long for our current time, but it still applies to our lives, our personal life, our corporate lives as the church. Because Isaiah spoke of the one that was promised to come. And he spoke of him as his dominion will, lie, will be vast and that he will be on the throne of David. So what Isaiah envisions here is a fulfilled promise and we know from the new testament that jesus was part of the lineage of david you see god will work in such a way that there will be one that establishes the throne in a final way based on justice and righteousness and the zeal of the lord he says is what will accomplish this when the lord is zealous for his purpose it will be accomplished And we think about how Christmas is multifaceted. We understand that this prophecy is one of those facets. And it's a prophecy that speaks of the Messiah, but it speaks into our everyday lives as well. With Isaiah's prophecy, we excavate God's messianic promise. And this promise was relative to an oppressed people, a people that that was oppressed by an Assyrian empire. But it speaks to sinners like us, even today. And that leaves us with our big idea. If you don't hear me say anything else, out of all this, if you don't hear me say anything else, hear me say this. It's our big idea for today. I hope it's portable for you, and I hope it impacts your life and your Christmas. The promised Messiah promises peace. The promised Messiah promises peace. Will you say that with me this morning? The promised Messiah promises peace. And that's what I want you to know in your Christmas this year. That's what I want you to know for your every day, not just your Christmas day. To possess clarity for Christmas, we must not only remember the Messiah's birth, but we also embrace his kingship. 
This step ushers in both peace and purpose. Peace for our circumstances and purpose for our life to be lived for him. So that's what I want for you today, friend. Whether you're here or whether you're watching, what I want for you today is to embrace the promised Messiah and experience his peace that goes beyond our understanding. Let's pray together. Lord, I bow before you today and I thank you for this time we've had. I thank you for the worship that we've engaged in. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you would infiltrate our lives with both peace and purpose. And that we would understand that a prophecy told so long ago, it matters for our each and every day. And that when we know the promised Messiah, we can experience the promised peace of all eternity, God. That through you, Lord Jesus, you have broken the yoke of oppression, the oppression of sin, and you bring in light and you bring in life and you bring in life that's abundant. So as we move through these next few weeks and we enter into another time where we celebrate your birth, I pray that we would recognize that it all started long before your birth and it'll keep going long after time on this earth ends. I pray for the one listening or watching today or the one that's present in this room, maybe they've never trusted you in an authentic way to save them from that oppression of sin. May today be the day of salvation for someone, that they might place their faith in you and in you alone. If there's someone watching today, type in faith or send us a private message. We want to follow up with you and journey with you in whatever need you might have. If you're here this morning and God has spoken to you, after we dismiss, I invite you to, to come. No one will be around, just me. You can find me and we can talk more about how God is speaking into your heart and into your life and the decision that you might have to make. Lord, be with us as your church. May we exhibit your peace during this Christmas season and may we be agents of peace and join in the ministry of reconciliation. Lord, you want to use us. You not only want to give us peace, but you want to send us out with purpose to live for your glory and for your name. Give us the courage to do that. Give us the boldness to do that. Give us the wisdom on how to do that. May you be glorified in all of it. Lord, this is your time. We commit it to you. and We pray this in your powerful, precious name. Amen.